0: Hi everyone, I'm Sky Ross and this is Motherness, a podcast dedicated to sharing mindful and empowering interviews with mothers and experts. Together, we're shining a light on the realness of raising babies and life postpartum, from the first moments to the months following and the years beyond. Motherness serves to hold space for mothers in all their glory, to inform you, to include you, to empower you and to connect you. And despite our different experiences, opinions and approaches, as mothers who love, we are grounded in this together. Just a quick note from me before we begin. Now more than ever, I feel how important it is to continue bringing you episodes of motherness each week. For the most part, you'll notice a bit of a difference in sound quality as I'm recording remotely due to New Zealand being in level four lockdown in light of the COVID-19 pandemic. I hope you appreciate that the stories we share are at the heart of motherness, so I'm trying not to let my perfectionism get in the way of bringing you these conversations, perhaps when we all need them most. Also, if you haven't already joined, we now have a private motherness group on Facebook, so we can all chat at all hours in a positive and safe environment with each other. I look forward to talking more with you there. In today's episode, I speak with my beautiful friend and mother of two, Victoria White. You will have seen from the episode title that Vic has been through a lot. IVF, an emergency C-section, a wound infection, breastfeeding struggles, becoming unexpectedly pregnant for a second time when her son was just five months old, Niku stays, formula feeding, transitioning to two under two, and so much more. When you hear that list, you wouldn't be blamed for thinking, how the hell did she do it? And I can tell you that I've asked myself and her the same question. But Vic is nothing short of incredible. She's such a beautiful mother and such a beautiful wife, and is someone I admire greatly for how she takes the journey of motherness in her stride. Always with humour, boundless love, and an infectious, just get on with it kind of attitude. I know you'll adore her story and have the utmost respect for her perspective and openness, as do I. Hi Vic, thanks so much for joining me on the podcast today. Do you want to just start by introducing yourself to our listeners? Tell us a little bit about who you are, where you live, and who you are a mother to.
1: Hi, thanks for having me. I am um, Victoria. I am a stay-at-home mum to Maxim and Luca. Maxim is Oh gosh, twenty-two months and Luca is nine months and I am also a wife, not just also, I shouldn't say it like that. Um I am a wife to Mace and we live in Auckland.
0: Cool. Um so do you wanna just start by giving us a bit of an overview of I guess falling pregnant with Maxim? You guys had quite a long journey and I think it's really important to cover that. So do you wanna start by sharing a little bit of into your journey, of falling pregnant with him? Yeah, sure. Um
1: I yeah, we did have it was a, a, a I guess probably for us it was a long time and um, I worked with children and so always wanted kids and Mace is from a big, big family being Samoan and so he was as soon as we got married like let's do it let's get on with it and um and of course it just didn't happen that easily so um I ended up seeing going to um, an obstetrician actually who was a fertility specialist and um, basically just to get all the checks because I'd done all the of that with my GP and um, nothing came through. Obviously they are not as intensive, the testing done at your GP as it is um, with a fertility specialist. So we found out the very last test that was done um, that basically the chances of, of us getting pregnant naturally were so, so slim. So um, we didn't think about it. We just straight into let's do it. What do we need to do? Get on with it. Um, and, Basically the next month we had the egg retrieval, did all of that, got the embryos sorted, and we the first um yeah, I guess the first transplant didn't um didn't happen. And then I ended Mm -hmm. up actually having um my appendix out the following month. And then um the third one, boom, we hit it. So I guess from where to go from seeing the fertility specialist, it was before falling pregnant. Yeah, I mean I guess it was like a a, a six month window. So, but prior to to that, obviously, it was um, a two and a half two and a half years before, um, yeah, all of that sort of fell into place. Um, so, in the scheme of things, I know it wasn't a very long journey um, down the whole IVF road because we were obviously very very lucky that it did happen so so quickly. um Obviously, people you know spend years and years and do round after round. Um, we obviously very blessed that we didn't have to go through all of that. It was, I mean, I I feel for those that do, because it was hard enough, you know, what we, what we went through.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, And how were you feeling going into your birth with Maxim? Did you have hopes of how you wanted it to be and how did it end up turning out?
1: No, I am, look, I am, Mace will tell you otherwise, but I am a feeling kind of just, look, just tell me what to do and I'll do it. I didn't, I wasn't concerned with any birth plan I'm not a big planner I'm very relaxed and like you know we have a professional with us you guide me like I, I didn't there weren't specifics I guess um just whatever will be will be um and um I mean in the end he was uh, an emergency c-section he was flipped the wrong way we'd you know had been in labor for I don't know 18 hours or whatever and done all of that and and um yeah ended up in that pleasant um theater whipping him out just just get him out of there so um it wasn't wasn't what I expected anyhow but that's just the way the way it is I guess so we just rolled with it
0: yeah and did you find that emergency c-section to be I guess like traumatic in any sense or you kind of prepared that that was an option if it needed to happen
1: if yeah I mean look if I kind of knew, because Maxim, he was, um, what was he born? He was born 9'4", so we had known that he was obviously on the larger size um, going into those last, I guess, the last 12 weeks. You know, he was always going to be a big baby. So they kind of had said um, there may be a possibility that we have to look at a Caesar. So that was always in the back of my mind. Um, But I guess, you know, when they'd said at the end of the day, I ended up going – I don't even know what you call it, what the term is. That's how relaxed I am with these things. I just just go with it. But I went from six centimetres down to one and um they'd given me all the syntosin is it that, yeah. you know, supposed to speed speed things up and um so yeah, by by that stage I was just like, look, just whatever, let's just let's just do it. Let's get on with it, you know? What are we yeah. waiting for? Yeah. Sign me up.
0: <laughs> And what was it like meeting Maxim for the first time after you'd been through, you know, this journey of conceiving him through IVF? What was that moment finally like?
1: Such a relief, but also so um, so surreal, you know, like you're looking and, I mean, also too, you know, when you're going into a C-section, you're almost, I always joke and say that I felt like, you know, like I was Jesus on the cross because your arms are out and you can't do anything. And it's just like, they've just, plonking this thing on you and it's um was just kind of like oh my god like you're here here you are like at last yeah (laughs) (laughs) you know it's so so great that they're there and just yeah amazing amazing
0: and what was it like um when you went into recovery can you just walk us through those first few hours and kind of what happened?
1: Um yeah so Maxim he I actually went into um I had a temperature going throughout the labour and then obviously going into theatre. Um, so he had to actually be whipped away. Um, so I obviously just got a quick, um. what is it, skin to skin with him. Mace also had the same. And then um, they had to whip him off to um. be checked checked out and off into Niku. Um, so I was actually in recovery <laughs> on my own, which was, I mean, I was totally fine with that. I was so exhausted that it was just kind of, you know, like it just relief to, I guess have it over and, and done with um but also quite bizarre because you're in there alone with you know my husband wasn't there my baby wasn't there and I'm just you know with my midwife who was popping in and out and just mm-hmm. yeah it was um it was I mean fine but yeah kind of a quite a strange feeling
0: yeah quite surreal I imagine
1: yeah yeah and so you know Mace he left Max in there and popped back quickly and would check on me and so he was you know running back and forth between the the two places and bless them, to um to make sure that everyone was was all right and and you know our little areas where we were so
0: um yeah and how long did Maxim spend in Niku?
1: He was actually only over there for a few hours so which was obviously a great relief um he they yeah just lots of pricks and jabs and whatnot. And um, and then he was able to come back and we were able to go up to um, back to the ward.
0: Oh, okay. cool. And did you plan on breastfeeding? And how, if you did, how was your first feed with him?
1: Yeah, I, I always had, um, although it was not an easy task for me at all. Um, I found it really awkward. I've got big boobs and it was just – never felt comfortable to me it definitely didn't come naturally and he never I don't know I guess in hindsight he never really latched well he was always really really hungry it just it, it wasn't at all the experience that I thought it was
0: going to be yeah and how did that breastfeeding journey kind of progress over the coming days and weeks
1: well it never actually got any easier i I ended up one week on from having him had a terrible wound infection despite my midwife and obstetrician looking at it and assuring me and in fact even before i left um birth care um so how many days five days later it was when we um you know been at the hospital being at birth care and um, I was in like I just knew that something wasn't right and kept asking and they just kept saying no it's fine so with with having to try and feed and also obviously the pressure on my my wound like it was just it was so awkward with him despite the different ways that people were trying to tell me how to to feed him so it never got much better and in fact because the recovery with the wound took so long I ended up just um I tried to do the half and half like you know breastfeed and bottle feed um and in the end it was just it was just such a disaster that I ended up just putting him onto the bottle and that was um uh, yeah just so much better for everyone um he was so much more content and obviously it was much easier for me because I could give him to someone else to feed him. Um, and it just yeah, it made the whole experience so much more pleasant for me.
0: Yeah, that's so good to hear because I think there is also a lot of guilt that is often put on mothers and associated with formula feeding. But it's good to hear that for for you it was clearly the best decision for both of you.
1: Oh, definitely, definitely. And I look I don't regret it at all. Um, if anything, I probably should have done it sooner. But it was just that, you know, you're constantly being told it's so much better just keep trying keep trying you know hang in there and um and it wasn't at all like it was doing my head in and he was probably starving so um I do wish that I had have done it sooner but look hindsight's wonderful thing isn't it
0: yeah absolutely um do you want to take us through I guess the first few days where you were at birth care and then going home and I guess what um, kind of led into that infection because I know it's a big part of your fourth trimester experience
1: yeah so it wasn't um look the hospital I love the hospital was great they were fantastic I didn't have a, I, I, I guess I shouldn't say I didn't have a great experience at birth care, birth care it wasn't um it wasn't what I thought it was going to be and um, I didn't find that they were overly helpful um that they were very rushed. I don't know whether it was just bad timing or, you know, it was just um I didn't feel like they were giving me the time um that that I needed. And I and I was struggling and I was in a lot of pain. Um and yeah. I do like to think that I have quite a high pain threshold. But it was um yeah, I just this something was never right with the wound and it was, there was just a smell. And, you know, when you're in birth care, there's no windows. And so you're in this room and I guess essentially a little bubble. And it got to the point where I was saying to people, like, you know, when they were coming in, obviously I was showering daily. Um, and I was saying to them, you know, um, can you smell anything? Like there's just something, I, just the smell. And it was just consuming me. And, no one would pick up it like they just no no, it's all looking great, everything looks great, you know, the baby's well, you look well. And um and so of course, you know, okay, well you're being told that everything's fine. So naturally I just went along with it. And it wasn't until we got home. And of course, you know, coming home is always such an exciting thing to finally bring this baby home. And um I was just in tears. It was horrific. Like even the first night I went to the toilet and I said to Mace, "You're going to have to help me. Like this is, I can't even lower myself down to sit on the toilet." So he's holding mm-hmm. Maxim in one arm and he's trying to hold me, and it—I <laughs> mean, it, I have to laugh about it now because I honestly thought that I was gonna like wee all over the floor and that he was gonna drop the baby, or or that I was gonna fall to the floor too because I just I just started screaming and I couldn't even say it. I couldn't communicate to him what on earth was happening to my body. Like I just it was just shrieks. And he's like, what's going on? You what's wrong? What's wrong? You're scaring the baby. And, you know, Oh, it was just, just, just horrific. <laughs> so <laughs> the poor guy, he's just like, what the hell is happening here? Um, that was, I mean, if that, that was kind of the worst, you know, and I knew something was not right then. So of course, straight on the phone to the obstetrician and the midwife and, um, and so both of them checked it. No, no, it looks good. And I'm just like thinking, is this normal? This is, people have not told me that this kind of thing happens after having a baby. Like, this is the stuff you should be hearing about, knowing about. So that was, Maxim was born on a Saturday night. That was the Wednesday night. Where we, that was our first night home. And then the following Friday night, I was just like, look, so this wound is red and it stinks. Like, it's terrible. This, it cannot be right. And so the obstetrician said to me, send a photo. So we did that, send a photo off. And he was like, oh, look, I'll send a script to your pharmacy. Let's start you on antibiotics. You know, something must be going on. So, okay, sure thing. You know, you don't need to see me. And he said, oh, see how you go in the morning. You know, if it's if it's any worse, come, come in and see me. So I phoned him the next morning and just said, look, like I'm in tears getting in and out of bed. I cannot do it myself. Like I'm avoiding going to the toilet because it is just so terrible. Like the pain that I'm in having to get out of bed to get to the toilet, it's awful. And you know, you know what it's like when you're breastfeeding, you are guzzling water. Like there is no tomorrow. Well, I knew I, you know, yeah. I was so thirsty. And so I'm thinking like, how, how's this going to work? Like, I'm so thirsty yet. I'm trying to avoid going to the toilet because of the pain I'm in. Um, Like, you know, this is, this is crazy. It cannot continue this way. And, um, and I'm also thinking in my head, like, how, how do people enjoy these first few days as a new parent? Because this is terrible. Mm. Like, I can't do a thing, you know. There are other people that I hear about that are up walking the block and they're out pushing that buggy, you know, after having a C-section. And God knows how they managed to do it. This is just horrific. And um, so I ended up that day at A&E and then in the ambulance back to Auckland Hospital. So it wasn't um, such a great experience because I had the obstetrician there telling me everything was fine, that they were going to sort it. He met us there, obviously. And then I've got nurses at the hospital going, this is not normal. This is, this is terrible. Like, you know, you're, you're looking grey. It's so badly infected. Um, so it was, I guess, a pretty traumatic time. Because then, of course, I had to go back onto the ward and it was, I couldn't have anyone stay there with me. So it was just me and the baby, and they were under, really understaffed. It was actually the royal wedding. And so trying to get someone to like come and help me to lift the baby up, like in the end, I'd waited 45 minutes. Um, And after that, like, you know, you just get up and do it yourself, even though you're crying, just in so much pain because you've got to feed. So, it wasn't, um, yeah. Look,
0: it wasn't. Um,
1: it wasn't what I thought it was going to be in that, that first few weeks. It was bloody tough, really bloody tough.
0: And how did um, you kind of recover from that? Did what was the process in terms of um, what the hospital did?
1: Well, they under my obstetrician. Um, he was my obstetrician only for Maxim's birth, not the next one. Mm-hmm. Um, he he had actually told the hospital just one night that is it. Then she goes home, and um, so they had to follow his instruction, even though they had said to me basically, you should be here for another couple of days. So it was just um, sent home with two different lots of antibiotics and a long course, which of course, obviously, is not ideal when you've got a seven day old baby being pumped full of crazy amounts of painkillers glass two different lots of antibiotics so that obviously too as well added to my um feeding woes yeah but you know we we got there in the end it was um it was hard because we don't have any family in auckland um so you know mace obviously had the two weeks off work and then it was kind of just managing you know just doing as very little as possible and and just taking it easy and I was lucky that Maxim was such a cruisy baby that I you know it took it took a very long time it was like a six-month process actually just trying to get to feel normal again almost.
0: Yeah and what was um, your physical recovery like after that because obviously it was quite an emotional and intense experience in that sense but how yeah I guess how was your scar following that and how was it now?
1: It was, it was really, um, it was very, I guess I want to say tender, like the whole, the the whole stomach area was so, um, and I don't, I'm, I'm guessing that that was obviously exacerbated by what happened. Um, but it was, it was, um, it took me a long time, you know, I couldn't even put like jeans on or have anything on that area. So it was I don't even want. To, I mean, it wasn't fun, in, in any sense of the word, it was just it was it was hard. It, yeah, the whole the whole thing physically and mentally was really really tough. But you know, you do what you got to do, and you just truck on through it. Well, I did anyway, as best I could.
0: I mean, yeah, you've got this little baby to look after. But how were you feeling emotionally? I guess following that whole experience, did you feel like you had the baby blues, and did you feel like this whole Scenario exacerbated that.
1: um No, I never really got that, and I guess I didn't. I mean, look, we, um, yeah, we we had so much else going on. Like, at, Mace's mum was really, really sick at the at the time, and so we had this baby, and she was really, really ill. And there were times where Mace was having to go um, over to see her. They all of his family live in Melbourne, and so she, although she'd come to visit us when we had the baby, um there was lots of tripping backwards and forwards. So there almost kind of wasn't any time for any of that. It was just kind of like, let's just do this. Let's, we've just got to do, you know, this is how it is. And let's just deal with it. Like we've just as best we can. Um, and I guess that's kind of just my my whole way of thinking too. Like we've just, the this is the hand that we've been out and we are so, so lucky regardless. Um, so let's just make the most of it. It yep. is what it is.
0: And given your, you know, your work previously was with children, did you have any expectations, I guess, on yourself in terms of how you expected it to go and how you thought you'd be as a mother and how that was potentially different?
1: I, to be honest with you, I thought it was going to be a hell of a lot easier than it was. And people had always said to me, you know, it's going to be so different when you have your own kids. And I was thinking, what are you talking about? You know, like I've been doing this for 15 plus years and I've done periods of time, like the longest living as in like, you know, living alone with children, um, obviously that weren't my own, but I was, the longest living job that I ever did was five weeks. And it was with a one and a half year old. And so I was just kind of thinking like, I've done this. You know, I've, my last job, I had four boys. It was full on, they were little it was really busy and yeah I kind of just thought like I'd be nailing it and I mean there's no way that I I felt that way at all it was it was so so much harder and I do um I guess I mean look I appreciate that I had that experience to to make it seem a bit easier but it's tough it is really tough going into being a new mum and you know all these other things are being fired at you the you know when they say, you know, feeding's so easy and just keep at it, and you know you'll be right. Just chip away. It was, it was, it was hard. Yeah, I, I expected that it wasn't going to be as tough as it was. So, hats off to all the mums out there.
0: Yeah. And what aspects of it did you find the hardest, and I guess the parts that surprised you the most? Was it the feeding primarily, or was it just the whole experience of having a baby?
1: I guess yeah, the feeding I guess was something that I did think would come come naturally. Um, I don't know why I did think that at all. I just I kind of figured like I've got these big boobs. Like, what else are they here for? You know, and, like what <laughs> good are they? <laughs> you know, like surely this is the only reason I have been blessed with these things. You know, that's it's just going to be a piece of cake. But yeah, it just I couldn't get my head around it at all. And um, uh, yeah. I, I mean, look, it didn't get any better with Luca, so <laughs> we'll get
0: to her next. <laughs> Do you want to um, take us through falling unexpectedly pregnant with her, um, and how you found out that you were pregnant with her naturally?
1: Yeah, that was um, she was the best surprise ever. Um, we uh, we had actually lost Mace's mother um, to cancer, and so. I had been over in Melbourne and Maxim and I had come home. Mace was over there still just tying up um, a whole lot of, um, I guess, family loose ends and things before he came back home after her funeral. And and I was just – I guess I just felt really, really tired. And I spoke to one of my good friends who had been – I used to actually look after her children and she had been – a really good source of information for me when we had gone through IVs. She had obviously done it so many years previously. And so we have a really great relationship. She's one of my closest friends. And um, I was talking to her one morning and I said, oh, you know, God, I'm just so tired. I had to leave Maxim in bed for an extra half hour this morning. And he was like such a good sleeper, 13 hours, like from 10 weeks.
0: Wow. Unicorn baby. She
1: was yeah, oh, amazing. And she was like, "Really? You know, why? Like, what's wrong with you?" And I and I said, "Look, I just think that I'm just, you know, so exhausted. We've had, you know, it has been full on since you know he arrived, and I'm on my own. And, and I had been for a few weeks, other than being in Melbourne for five days or whatever it was we were there for, and um and so we were due to meet her later that day. And I still to this day do not know why she even thought that pregnancy could be a possibility because when we got to um the cafe to meet her and um, we were meeting for lunch and she'd call me to say look I'm running a few minutes late and I was like okay that's no problem we'll see you there get there and um and and she walks and she's got a blooming pregnancy test for me and I'm <laughs> saying to her like you are are you out of your mind like this is nuts you of all people know that this is just It cannot even happen. How on earth could it happen? And so I said to her, I'm a very competitive person by by nature. And so I was just like, right, you know, here's here's Maxim. You look after him. I'm going straight in there. I will show you, girlfriend, that this (laughs) is not, not even going to happen. You know, like you're dreaming and get in there. And, of course, doing IVF, you don't do um, normal pregnancy tests. You know, everything is so Mm -hmm. um, structured and regulated and they tell you, you know, they bring you with your results. And so, um, yes, yeah, straight away when those lines popped up, it was just like, "Oh my god, oh my god!" And you know, he was five months old. How how is this wow. even? Po- A, how is this possible naturally? And B, like, how? What the hell am I going to do? So, of course, I march out there, and I'm like, "She's reading the instructions." Of course, at the table with the baby, and I'm going, um, "What did you do to this? Like, have you tampered with this? Is this some some kind of joke?" And it was just like we were just in fits because. If you're not gonna laugh, you know you're not gonna. If you, you just end up in tears, right? So we were just pissing ourselves because it was just so funny, like the whole situation. What What do you do? What do you
0: do? So I mean, you've just been through all of that, like IVF, Mm -hmm. and you know, it's not like you know you had transfers that didn't work, and so. I mean, you guys were told that Mm -hmm. you couldn't, the chances of you Mm -hmm. conceiving naturally were so some. I remember when you told me and I was like, how is this possible? (laughs) 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 Don't
1: don't think that in my head, I was thinking, how about, I I mean, like through all of what we'd been through Mm -hmm. post-having that. I look back now and I'm like, how even did I
0: how How did you even time that yeah Yeah, totally (laughs) (laughs) who's having a sex at five months postpartum and also manages to time it to conceive (laughs) unintentionally (laughs) (laughs) oh just
1: I mean yeah you got it I, I still do laugh about it but she is the um she is the best surprise that we could have ever wished for and most certainly um, after all that we had been through, especially with Lucy Mace's mum, that she ended up being a girl. Um, we didn't find out what sex she was, but um, it was um, a very healing experience, especially for Mace, to know that, you know, almost like that was kind of his mum's last gift. There you go.
0: Here she is.
1: So, um, yeah, no, it's, um, it was, yeah, a crazy time crazy time
0: (laughs) and so tell us how did you share the news with mace and what was his reaction oh
1: i waited for him to come home i was kind of I, i kind of i wasn't sure so i sort of thought i can't put that on him when he is there for another couple of days just wait until he comes home so obviously my friend knew about it and so she's like you know just thinking it's just such a great thing that she knows and he doesn't and so I waited and I don't even know how it happened but Mace managed to um he told me he was coming home like on the Saturday night and it was actually the day later so I'm all like set to tell him and then a few hours before it you know he's due to go to the airport and I'm like bags packed and he's like oh my god you're not going to believe this but it's the wrong day it's actually tomorrow I'm not flying home till tomorrow so of course it was just like this big letdown Um, but when he did get home, I was really emotional about it and I just was in floods of tears. Um, obviously we hadn't spent a lot of time together in those few weeks. Um, so I, it just was, yeah, it just, it was really intense that it was just all of a sudden just, yeah, this boom, just the floodgates opened. And of course he was, um, so excited, but also, um, pretty upset about it too, because, um. Yeah, it was just, it was such a bittersweet, although it was, yeah. yes, she is the best blessing. It was just that really bittersweet, you know, for him. And um, his mum was so excited to have met Maxim and to have been a part of his life for such a short time. And we obviously tried to make the most of the time that she had. But for her to not, to not know that, that Luca was, I guess, in the pipelines, if you like. And um, although I am a big believer that she would have known. Mm. Um, yeah. so yeah it was just it was um it was really lovely really lovely although very um upsetting and emotional and all those crazy feelings too
0: yeah of course and how did you kind of come to terms I guess you know past that with the idea of being a unexpectedly pregnant and b being pregnant so soon and knowing that you were going to have two babies under two how did that how did you feel about that and were you did you kind of come to a place where you were excited about it I still don't know that I've come to terms with it (laughs) (laughs) I love the honesty
1: (laughs) there are days where I'm like oh my god like how is this even possible how are there two of you and you know like one's (laughs) not even two um I I don't know I just again like it's just that kind of okay this is the hand we've been dealt like let's just Mm -hmm. do it um and although Maxim was, he was really cruisy and chilled out. Like it was, it was hard being pregnant at the same time, you know, like with him, it was really hard. Um, cause in in fairness, I'd kind of just felt funnily enough, coming back from Melbourne, I was like, okay, boom, like, this is great. Let's get into fitness. You know, start, I I just felt like it almost, you know, got my groove back. I was ready to kind of try and go to the gym and do all those things. And then booyah, hold on, we're pregnant. So obviously that was all put on hold again, but yeah, it's, it um, was just, I guess, that, uh, yeah, knowing how lucky we are and that we didn't have to go through the IVF route again to, to have another baby, it was kind of cool, but but also very, very frightening that how on earth is this going to even work that we've got, you know, a baby and another baby? Because yeah. essentially you do, you know, I, when she was born, I still had a baby. You know, they're still dependent on you at 12, 13
0: months. Did you ever have any feelings of like, I guess, I don't want to like project this on you. So it's just a really simple question of, did you ever have any feelings of, I guess, like guilt that Maxim was still so young and you were going to bring another baby in when he was still really little?
1: I I didn't until the last month. And it kind of really, it was, I had a pretty decent pregnancy with Luca up until, Till the last three months, and I had what they call it—I think it's polyhydramnios—so it's extra um, amniotic fluid, and it was really, really hard. And I do feel like Maxim missed out because of that. Um, I was just so heavy, and even like just I, obviously I've got—I have big babies, but all that extra fluid was just—it was really hard to even just do day-to-day things like to like, I had to psych myself up to like go to the supermarket, and that was like our outing and excitement for him for the day. So. I definitely in that last four weeks was just like, oh, my God, like this is really, really rough that he is still dependent on us, yet we are bringing another baby home. And look, I tell you what, that last week before she was born, just every night crying myself to sleep, like how can Mm. I do this to him? This is terrible, you know, is he going to suffer? Is this going to be really bad for him? How are we going to make it work? Um, And even like I remember getting up that morning because um, Luther was an elective C-section, getting up that morning to leave and I couldn't even go into his room because I was just like in floods just you know this this poor kid has got no idea of what is actually going going to be happening to him the poor guy
0: <laughs> do you want to take us through um your birth with her and what it was like going in for that elective c-section were you feeling relieved that you knew what was happening and that you had a plan and I guess how were you feeling about it given your postpartum recovery the first time.
1: So we obviously changed obstetricians um the second time around. Um and I was really uh, obviously going into meeting with them, I um, had told them all that had gone on, they knew what had happened um with Maxim. And so they were really aware of it. Um, then along came the polyhydramnios and things did start to go downhill a bit. So in the last six weeks, I was desperate for them to give me a date to um, to have Luca. So it was it was awful. And I would be going into my appointments to meet with them and just be like, please, like, can't we just do it? You know, let's do it now. Like, surely it's going to be fine. Try begging them, you know, by 36 weeks, it was just like, please, I can't, this is horrific. You know, I can't, can't go on. And so we finally got a date for 38 weeks and um, it was such a bizarre feeling to know, like putting Max into bed the night before and thinking, you know, oh my God, tomorrow you're going to be a brother. You know, we're going to have another baby. And to know it was checking in and everything at the hospital was so strange because it's almost like you're going off to like a hotel, like to have a baby kind of thing, you know, like rock up with your bag and here I'm here, I'm signing in, sign your life away. And um and then it's kind of just you sit around waiting, whereas so different, obviously with Maxim I'd gone into labor naturally, but didn't end up, you know, going going the natural route. But yeah, such a such a strange feeling. But um this yeah, second time around it was um I was totally at ease with the team that I had around me. They were great and made me feel very, very comfortable and um, and I just wanted her I just wanted her out like I was ready and I was over it.
0: And what was it like when she was born, and that when you realised that she was a girl, what was that moment like for you guys?
1: It was. Um, do you know what the whole like? We didn't obviously with Maxim either. We didn't know her sex, but um, <laughs> just uh, things get complicated when I have babies. It's she was born, and um, she had to be resuscitated. We knew, and one of the risks with the polyhydramnios is that they have um, respiratory issues. We didn't know how bad it was going to be, if any um so she was resuscitated straight away and then um you know it, it was pretty um full-on with their kind of you know it's almost like a press the alarm sound the alarm ring the alarm like get the peds in here like let's do this and um, so it was almost kind of like I'm going to the neathletist you know behind me like what's going on is a boy or a girl what have we got you know they kind of dangle her up in front of me and then it's like boom gone you don't see this baby and so I'm trying to talk to Mace who's over with her with the team working away and he's trying to relay things to me and so it was um yeah I mean very exciting that she was a girl and I'd I'd kind of I don't know I guess throughout the pregnancy I had hoped that she was a girl so that I don't know I just I did feel really strongly that that was something that Mace's mum had kind of not seem to us because that kind of sounds a bit crazy, doesn't it but but you know I know what it, you mean though. It was like that she was yeah like that it was something that she had given us um and that it was her way of letting us know that things would be okay it was um it was pretty overwhelming too to know that that had actually kind of that had happened
0: yeah and what was it like for you emotionally lying you know you've just had a c-section your baby's being resuscitated how how were you coping?
1: Do you know? Like it was so. It's so strange because you just, rather than this surreal feeling of this baby on your chest, which of course it didn't hadn't happened all that long ago for me, you you. It was just this helplessness that you've got this beautiful baby, but you're not even allowed to see her or, kind of touch her or do anything that she's, everything is in the the I guess, the experts' hands. You know they were they were just doing their thing, which. I was obviously 100% okay with that, um, but yeah, pretty frightening line there when you're um, so heavily sedated as well, that um, just, yeah, looking across the room and just being like, oh my God, like, just tell me this is over, like, let's let's get her over here, get her
0: on me. Yeah, and then did she have to be wheeled straight up to Nika or did you get to have a cuddle with her? What was, what happened there?
1: A um a very quick kind of just push to the chest and a high nice to meet you kind of thing and then it was boom gone it's, we've got to get her up there
0: yeah and what was it like for you sitting in recovery again with a baby sitting in NICU <laughs> was it just like how has this happened again
1: <laughs> it was it was <laughs> it was just nuts like I I remember sitting there just thinking oh my gosh you know am I just not supposed to have babies because this just can't be what's you know, like where is the um, you know, funniest time videos kind of thing, like show this is just crazy. How has this happened again? Um, but obviously this time it was a bit more bit more serious than just a couple of hours. So um yeah, it was it was nuts, but I guess again, like we were lucky to have the team that we did at that time and I was really well looked after. Like they were so great with letting me know what was happening and they were calling, and I actually obviously didn't have my phone with me. So um, one of the nurses even went up and got it from me, so that I could communicate directly with him right there, you know, rather than having to wait for information for someone to be available to kind of run messages between the two of us. So yeah, like I, I can't, um, cannot thank those the the team that we had with us up at Nico in Auckland Hospital. They were incredible.
0: Yeah, that's amazing and such a different experience for you compared to the first time, I guess, in terms of feeling looked after as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Just the difference. Um, I guess the difference in the care, like I, I did feel, I can't, I don't know, the first time around I, I guess I did I did feel like we were well cared for through the pregnancy just once we'd had the baby. It was, yeah, completely different, whereas with, with this team um, second time around it was um, right through they
0: were incredible. And then how long did she spend in NICU and how long were you in hospital for?
1: So she was in NICU for four days and we left on the fifth day. So we had one night in the ward together and, um, and then came home.
0: So you never had to go home without her? You were in hospital the whole time?
1: Yeah, I was there the whole time. It was, um, it was really bizarre. Like, um, Going back to, I guess you know, the Tamaki ward, the the maternity ward, and not even having a baby with us, mm. it was um, it was kind of strange. But yeah, they were um, they were amazing. And
0: amazing. how were you feeling um, emotionally about having your baby in Nuku for a lot longer than what Maxim was for?
1: Yeah, I kind of was. And um, see, I didn't even get to see Maxim when he was over there. He was just, I guess, for them, it was just a. Um, not even a day stay, um but again, you know, you go into Niku and you look at these other babies. You know, like Luca was thirty eight weeks, and she was what was she nine three, born, and so she was huge compared to you look around like the rooms that mm-hmm. they, you know we share, and it was I don't know, it kind of put things into perspective. Like I was kind of like you know, I know that she is going to be okay, and she's got to be in here for a wee while, but. You know, you can't even, you look at these poor people that have been there for weeks and months on end and they've still got these tiny little babies who are still really struggling. I guess it made me even more grateful that I knew it wasn't going to be a long-term thing. Um, Just it's still bizarre, though, that you couldn't even hold her. You know, like she was in the little incubator thing. I could put my hand in and I could touch her. And it wasn't until that night so I guess it would have been let's say 12 hours later I got to have a, a proper cuddle yeah which actually seems crazy now thinking about it like I I guess I did haven't really thought about it that much like it that's nuts isn't it it's a long time to not be able to I mean sure I could put my hand in and touch it but to actually not be able to to um even have that contact or try to feed her like it was yeah so different
0: I guess when you're in it, you're probably as well just focusing on making sure she's okay and not really taking the time to stop and think about, you know, those sorts of details. You're just kind of like, no, how are we going to totally. get her better? When are we going to take her yeah. home? What do we need to do to like make yeah, this, all okay? no, 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 this
1: situation better?
0: Yeah. And so, how was your feeding experience with her? Um, you obviously struggled with Maxim a lot. Um, were you given a pump and told to express while she was in nico, or were you able to feed her?
1: No. Um, so I wasn't. Um, when when I left recovery um, and got into the ward, um, basically they just did the, um, it was, I guess, kind of hand expressing into essentially like a syringe kind of thing. Like I was just trying to get the colostrum. So, you know, like a mil or two mils and they were like, this is great. Like, just keep it going. So that was all it was kind of for those, um, I guess, What would it have been, let's say, four or five hours after I'd actually had her? Mm -hmm. Um, It was just, you know, as much as I could, um, which they would then take up to Nuku. But obviously, they had to feed her um, while she was there. So um, it was just, we were just mixing and doing whatever, which I wasn't worried about, obviously, because in the scheme of things, as long as she was being fed, as long as she was starting to have her oxygen reduced and and working to breathe on her own, that was my main concern. I didn't care how she was going to be fed. But yeah, it was that night that they said to me, you know, do you want to, do you want to have a go? Like, let's, you know, we can pull her out of the um, incubator with the CPAP on and and we'll just remove it and we can see how you go. So, which I did. So, and then they just um, would phone me when she would wake up and just say, come on up, you know, she's awake. Let's, you know, if you want to feed her, we'll do it. If you don't, then we can just feed her from here. So Obviously when they did phone me it was every opportunity, you know, um, sure, we'll come on up. So Mace would well just wheel me up. Yep. Every I think it was kind of every three hours and, and we kinda of just went from there. But again it wasn't the experience and the um easy journey I thought it was going to be, but we just um we just did it as best we could.
0: Did you kind of have hopes that your breastfeeding journey would maybe look a little bit different this time around with her? Or were you okay? I did, yeah. Yeah. How did you hope it was gonna be what what desires did you have for it
1: I guess I kind of thought that being second time around that it might be easier and that um I don't know that maybe this time the old the boobs would you know do their thing but again like it just it just didn't work and and to be fair um with trying to be breastfeed and um, wrangle a toddler if you like it just there just wasn't that time you know like when you've got one baby, you can sit there and just gaze at this baby for hours, and you know look at them and admire them, and you know, I mean, I know with Max and that's what I would be doing, you know, for be sitting there for like an hour, just thinking, oh, this is a breeze Like he's feeding. I get to look at how cute he is and how beautiful he is, and there just wasn't that time with with, with Luca, like him, he's running around, and yeah, I don't know, it wasn't the quick, easy kind of feed tap in tap out let's do it get on with it kind of thing that I thought it was going to be I thought it would be again a lot easier but yeah with a toddler it's it wasn't the experience that I thought it was going to be so she too was then put put on a bottle
0: yeah and then other than the um, I guess the toddler aspect of it what parts of it did you find hard was it the relentlessness of feeding and supply or was it latch or a combination of things
1: all of it, nothing, nothing came naturally to me and I just, I don't know, I just, I kind of feel like I just am not made to breastfeed, it just, everything about it felt awkward, no matter which way I tried, I always felt like they were really, really hungry and I, like I don't know, you know, people talk about like, you know, don't you feel that let down and all that, like there was none of that, like I felt nothing, you know, like, if I would, like, try and squeeze my, like, it would, there would just be nothing coming out, like, it, everything just felt kind of wrong, you know, like, nothing would, I just, yeah, it was just not a fun experience for me <laughs> at all. Am, am I selling it?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm lucky that I haven't had to experience like supply in that sense but it definitely didn't come naturally to me either um so and I think it doesn't come naturally to most of us you know no but I guess I'd you know because of your hopes to breastfeed for longer this time around did you have any like how were you feeling emotionally about putting her on the bottle did you feel any guilt this time around
1: uh I I did, and I think you're always going to feel guilty about it because uh, I guess society is so – it's there's such a huge thing around breastfeeding and bottle feeding, like as we all know, right? I mean, at the end of the day, who cares? But it was – I guess it was just me getting over that, like, you know, I I didn't need to worry. She is still an amazing little girl. At the end of the day, it it was just – it was me that had to come to terms with that, and I – it doesn't actually worry me now. I think it did at the time just because there's so much going on and you put so much pressure on yourself and you want to do everything perfectly and you want to be this, you know, amazing mum, but we can't do it all. And if that meant that I couldn't feed her that way, then so be it. You know, it was really a matter of survival for all of us and for us to survive and make it through and, um, to get there, it was yeah. We just we just had to do that. Get that bottle into her, and again, like she was yeah, she was a dream. Just get her on it. It was so much easier, and um, for all of us, because um, it was really important for me too to be able to have time with Maxim, not just be sitting there trying to feed because I felt the need to do that.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, and how was your physical recovery this time? How did it compare to the first time with Maxim?
1: oh so different so different it was um I mean obviously you know when you've got another baby you've you you can't be lying around and relaxing and and doing kind of you know having the baby delivered to you to feed and you've just life just goes on and um it was a very different recovery this time around the uh uh, by the time I left the hospital, I was off the pain medication because I wasn't in pain. Um, it was obviously, I, I just continued taking the Panadol rather than, you know, tremol and all the other crazy stuff that they give you um, because I I just, I didn't need it. I didn't feel like I, I needed it. So um, I don't know whether that played a part in just a different recovery and healing. And, you know, I mean, I don't know. I still, to this day, can't figure out what was so different, what I had done differently between the two. But it was a far more enjoyable experience. I certainly, I mean, I wasn't being silly because, you know, obviously it's huge surgery. So I, it was really diffic- difficult to try and explain to Maxim that I couldn't be picking him up or swinging him around and doing all these fun things that he was kind of used to me doing. But, yeah, physically um, it was a much, much faster recovery and just um, – I just I felt so much better and so much more myself much 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 quicker than I did
0: with Maxim yeah that must have been such a relief and how was it bringing Luca home to Maxim did that guilt when they first met subside
1: so we came home and uh, Maxim had actually gone down to my parents place um they live just out of Hamilton so they actually brought him back the next day which was actually kind of nice because we got to Come home and settle in and get, um, I guess kind of used to being in at home. And then the next day they bought brought him in, and and he was um he was really really good. I mean, you know, try to explain to a thirteen month old that this is his baby sister, and you know, can you imagine that? Um, but he's very um uh, he was very loving and you know just um kind of baby baby, and would be wanting to kiss her and you know. obviously trying to say gentle you know you can't be too rough with her it was um it was a really lovely um a really lovely moment obviously the meeting because he was um really really smitten with her and still is like he just absolutely adores her as much as he um you know they have their moments as he does like he's at that really boisterous stage where he's like pulling her and knocking her over and i'm waiting for the day where she's kind of gonna knock him out she um, will <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah she will she will
0: <laughs> I
1: don't think we're too far off it <laughs> oh
0: I love it she'll give it she'll give it as good as she gets it
1: oh for sure 100% and there are times where I'm like yep you go sister do it do it get him
0: <laughs> that's <so> funny <laughs> because you you've
1: got, go- got to you know she she's got to put him in his place <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah totally. Um and did you guys do anything you know you hear about people kind of um giving a present to the older kid or anything like that. I mean he was 13 months. Was there anything that you did to kind of try and make the transition easier or did you just think we're just going to go with the flow and see how how, how happened? Uh, look I I did do
1: the present thing. Um he did come for a very short visit up to the hospital. He was actually really really sick when we had gone in to hospital to have her, and so it was just a really quick kind of come in and meet her. I think probably more selfishly, uh, my my mum and my um, auntie were looking after him that day, and so they of course desperately wanted to meet the baby, and so they were just like, can we just bring him up? And I mean, look, you know, whatever, whatever goes, sure thing. We did the present thing, gave him some books and a ball, which he was you know obsessed with, but it didn't register for him. Like he was too young. He needed to be a bit older, I think, to kind of grasp that whole, here, the baby's got your present, you know, here it is. And yeah, there's just not that gone.
0: comprehension, like, is there?
1: No, no. And he didn't need it, to be fair. Like he was just kind of more excited that, oh, baby. And he got to sit there and kind of, you know, kiss a baby and just look at her. And in and, and fairness, he was probably just more excited to see us because he hadn't seen us for the day.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and how did you find the transition from one to two in those coming weeks and months? Oh my gosh, it was hectic. Hectic.
1: Thankfully, we had started Maxim McKindy. So he did three days kind of kindy hours, which was just, it was so nice to have just a bit of a break almost. Uh, I don't even want to say a break because it's not really a break when you've got a newborn baby, but just to be able to not have to worry about him, to know that he was being stimulated and entertained and, um, you know, taken care of, that I could. Just focus on the baby or focus on like actually doing some housework or, you know, folding the washing and doing chores. Not very exciting things, but, you know, you've got to do those things. So it was a big juggle going from one to two because, you know, I kind of felt like I had a lot of time with Maxim that I would be watching Netflix and, you know, feed him, have a play, put him back to bed and, you know, pop on a new series. And away I went, whereas there was just none of that this time around
0: yeah absolutely and as they get older and become toddlers they just don't sit still you don't get to have that blissful chill time that you have the first time around um that's something that i'm acutely aware of um with albie at the moment she's just like she's just a busy toddler now they're full on and i mean they just she doesn't ever ever sit still yeah it's crazy hey that's (laughs) right Um, And what was the most challenging aspect of your fourth trimester with Luca? Was it the transition of the two or was there something else that you found challenging about it?
1: I guess my big challenge was that um, not striving for, for perfection because that sounds crazy, but, like, letting go of the small things. You know, like I, with Maxim, when he was on his own, it was, you know, he ate, he slept, he played. and Like he would go off to bed, and I would whip around and put all the toys away and, you know, he'd come back out and I would have just set up new things for him. Like it was just letting go of like all that, you know, the house doesn't have to be perfect the whole time. Like if you've got two babies, it is never going to look clean and tidy and spotless all of the time. You know, there would be days where Mace would probably come in from work and just be like, oh, my God, what has gone on here? So Mm -hmm. for me, that was the big thing. Like just that mind craziness that goes through your head of, you know, oh, I've got this, you know. It needs to be this way when it totally doesn't. That was my that was my big struggle, which seems so stupid in the scheme of things, but that was just, um, you know, one to two, whatever. What's another one, right? Just add to the chaos.
0: Yeah. I mean, I totally resonate with that wanting that um, things to be in order. I mean, for me, it makes me feel really calm, and I do that without totally. me now. And um, I know people always say to me, oh, my God, your house is so immaculate. And I'm like, but I – personally like it makes me yeah. feel better I and I need it that, it that way. way yeah yeah totally but sometimes yeah. you're right like you do just when you've got you didn't just have like a toddler and a baby you had two babies and mm-hmm. it's about surrender right like at some point you just have mm-hmm. to go this is the, like you said this is the card we've bent out and we are going to roll with it and if that means I just have to relax my standards a little bit um if it makes you happier yeah yeah we'll get totally. there one day <laughs> yeah yeah once they a 18 in the I'll meantime <laughs> i'm trying
1: to, <laughs> i do try my best to you know make cleaning a fun activity and hey, let's tidy up. That's, a, that's a good activity
0: yeah let's play the tidy up <laughs> game try, <laughs> teach teach them young <laughs> yeah totally um and let's just quickly talk about bonding because we didn't kind of touch on that with Maxim. How was your bonding experience with each of the babies? Was it immediate for you, or did you feel like it was ever a slow burn? Um,
1: I don't know. Like it was, I guess actually with both of them, because it wasn't ever like a you know. I guess I, I had ideas that it would just be instant, you know, like they're, they're placed on you and that's it, like you're just in this big love bubble, but. I obviously didn't have that luxury so mm. I kind of I guess it kind of did take a little bit longer than I had maybe hoped for or anticipated um but um yeah definitely kind of you know after that sort of first night I've just been like oh my god you're mine and oh my god I've got another one like you're mine too um it was yeah it was all on and yeah they are just they are everything they're amazing yeah
0: and um do you want to just quickly we haven't really talked about sleep very much but we'll just quickly touch on it what you know you're a pretty relaxed go with the flow kind of person is your approach to sleep with newborns and babies the same or do you like a little bit of structure
1: (laughs) i'm very um not relaxed about that at all (laughs) Um, same (laughs) (laughs) so much structure um, and look, I know that that is not for everyone, but it absolutely was so crucial for me because I need my sleep too. And um, so with Maxim, he went into his own room, which and again, like so many people are like, you did what? How could you do that? So he went into his own room and it was, yeah, very, um, very regimented and yeah, he was sleeping through. By eight weeks, by 10 weeks, we had him at 13-plus hours, which, incredible. Um, of course, with Luca, it didn't quite go that same way. We had her in our bedroom because we currently are in a two-bedroom house. We had hoped to obviously move after having Maxim, but everything happened so damn quickly. We didn't get that opportunity. So that um, we are due to settle on our new house shortly. So oh, praise be the day that we get to move house and they have their own bedrooms and so having her in our room was a real struggle for me so the sleep I guess I was almost a bit more relaxed with her because she was right there and he was still sleeping really well so it kind of you know whatever as long as he was sleeping it was fine but by when we got to eight weeks with Luca and she wasn't sleeping through it was almost kind of like oh my god like you know Why are you not working properly? You know, um, he he (laughs) he did it at eight weeks, so I'm expecting you to do the same thing. And so there was that kind of you know grace period where I had to give her a a bit of time to be herself and uh, find her own way. So um, a few weeks later, we did get some great sleeps through, and that was that. But yeah, it's just that you know constant comparing of the two of them that I do actually struggle with. That you know, you should if one did it, you know, why isn't the other doing it? I, I need to make that little robot do its thing too um, yeah. so that was um yeah but I am very much a structured thing I, I do like to have some flexibility but with the sleep it's kind of you know if we um if we can make them work let's do it but but there is flexibility too at times
0: yeah and how I mean just thinking to like I mean Mesa Samon right like how was it for you guys having that aspect of I guess his culture where it's very communal there's Often a lot of co sleeping and things like that. Was there any, I guess, input from that side of the family in terms of you know, the structure and putting Maxim in his own room? Was it something you guys ever considered? It to
1: be fair, he didn't really have much say in it at all. I knew what I wanted to do, and he did struggle for the first while. And he, um, I'm a, i uh, am I let them cry it out. There, I mean, obviously not brand brand new, but. I am a big believer in like they're fine to cry, you know, whatever that's your exercise. Um, again, that was huge for him. Like they don't do that at all. For certain they co-sleep or well, he came, you know, had grown up with co-sleeping and all of that. Um, and so when when we did get Maxim sleeping through the night so quickly, he was just like, oh my God, this is a game changer. Like how, how have we done this? You know, this is amazing because the, He's got lots of nieces and nephews who um, he had helped raise basically and he knew that it was damn hard. So it was um, it was interesting for me to see that he obviously was had come from such a different way of doing things with kids to actually appreciate the way that I did it or we did it, so to speak. but he's he's very much on board with oh yeah you need to, you need to have a routine. And again, some degree of flexibility when you need to, but for sure, like, yeah, that's it. Let's do it. Let's get them into bed. And it, it always makes me laugh, you know, when if he's talking to his family late at night um, and they're like, you know, where are Max and where are Luca? And he's like, what are you talking about? They're in bed, like, <laughs> seven o'clock, like, good night. See it's you. my yeah <laughs> <Not here. laughs> <laughs> See you later, you know, whereas there are kids up and down, like, all hours of the night and stuff. And, and he's just like, oh my God, I'm so pleased that we do it our way our
0: way our way is better yeah I mean I I'm also a lover of structure and routine because I actually find that that gives me flexibility in the time where I know that she is going to be awake to do what we want to do so I think that they kind of come in hand in hand but I also like you appreciate that you know everybody does things differently but that's what works for you guys so that's fantastic let's quickly touch on your relationship you um obviously things were quite good after maxim because you managed to conceive luca how was it the second time around it was quite quite good (laughs) well it must have been (laughs) something was happening could
1: could possibly have just been one of the old just hurry up
0: (laughs) (laughs) i love the honesty so good um how was it though the second time with having her in your room like that's quite different for a relationship you know having a baby in your room oh. it definitely takes away from your space and like restricts the intimacy and you guys also had a toddler so how how's your relationship totally. been through both of the fourth trimester experiences yeah look it's uh, it's
1: never plain sailing right so it has it's it has been tough but you kind of just um you do get through you know every day is a new day and I mean look we have had some Great fights about different things, and you just—I don't know—like it's just a season, right? So you know it's not going to be forever. We just have to make the most of the situation as it is at the moment. And, and you, yeah, I don't know—you get you get by, but yeah, having her in our room—I mean, hats off to the parents who do that all the time. I—it is just not for me. The as soon as I could get her um sleeping through and the two of them sharing a room, oh my god! Like I couldn't wait for that day just to have. I mean, it's bad enough we've got a dog and she snores, and so like, can you imagine like a husband that snores, a baby sniffling away, and then a pug on the ground that's snoring away? Like, oh my god, it was just it was horrific. So nice.
0: I could just imagine you sitting there, (laughs) eyes wide open, being like, "What have I done?"
1: (laughs) Lying in my bed, feeding the baby, just being like, "Is is this a joke? Like, is someone actually, you know, pulling a leg here?"
0: Horrific, but but. (laughs) you got to make
1: it work again (laughs) yeah
0: totally what other choice do you have and how do you kind of um now that the kids are a little bit older you're out of the fourth trimester um how do you reflect back on that time and how do you feel about the transition from one to two now
1: oh now it seems enjoyable we got to the six months and it I don't know it kind of just turned like it was it was so much easier and getting out and about and doing things you know like it's now i really really have fun with them like it was those first six months you're just in the trenches so you're just doing it and it's hard slog and you know again like i've mentioned we we don't have family here so it was it's not like i could get a break kindi was my break which i just i'm so grateful for it makes it was amazing kindi yeah like you just i don't know you just do it right
0: yeah Totally. And do you guys have any more plans for any more surprise babies (laughs) or otherwise? (laughs) I can assure you
1: (laughs) all precautions are being taken currently. (laughs) Good. (laughs) Um, But I don't know, like never say never. I I have not ruled it out that we would not try for a third and whichever way it may be. Um, We still have frozen embryos, so Mace is very happy to go down that track. He's kind of like the more the merrier, but I'm not on board with that just yet. But there will definitely be um, a decent break um, in between.
0: Yeah, nice. Okay, well, I just have one last question for you, and you've listened to the podcast, so you know what this is. I have a theory that despite it being difficult most of the days during the fourth trimester and beyond, that the mother we hope to be and strive to be is exactly the mother who we are. So my final question for you, Vic, is what kind of mother do you hope to be? And therefore, what kind of mother are you?
1: Oh, I have listened to this so many times and I always
0: think like, what on earth would
1: I say? And I mean, look, I I hope that I am a super kind and caring and nurturing and loving mother. And I hope that that all of the i don't want to say the work that i do to put into them but you know i i hope and um i guess i do pray that they all of that comes into fruition that they will turn out to be these amazing children that um i mean of course i'm already immensely proud of them but you know just just the reward and and all that they give back to you that i i just hope that all of that comes back to me because it's it's such a privilege and so incredible. So I do hope that I'm doing all the right things. And um, There are definitely days that I won't be, but we just, we grin and we bear it and, yeah, bring it on.
0: No, I love that. You absolutely are. And, you know, I can a- definitely attest to seeing your children and you, and you have such infectious energy and it's so beautiful to watch and I know how much you and Mace both love your babies. Um, and so... It absolutely is and will come to fruition. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Motherness. For more empowering interviews like this one, check us out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen. And if you liked today's episode, please subscribe and leave a review so more listeners can discover all that Motherness has to offer. We are at motherness.podcast on Instagram, and our DMs are always open if you need advice or would like to chat. I'm Sky Ross and you've been listening to Motherness.